Some things never change, like the hot takes on this podcast. Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Welcome to this secret bonus episode, where Kyle and I are going to be reviewing Frozen 2. Yes, the the biggest hit out of Disney this year, Frozen 2, breaking all kinds of box office records, um, highly anticipated. Everyone was waiting for this movie ever since the first teaser trailers came out, and uh, it's finally here during this holiday season, and I'm really stoked to get into our review of it. Um, we're not usually going to be doing these movie reviews, but we felt a little bit giving in this holiday season, and we figured you guys all deserved a bonus episode, so we're coming at you double dipping uh, with a Frozen review. Yeah, we didn't want to make it too brief by making this just a banter in a normal episode. We just had a lot of thoughts about it, and we felt kind of bad. Our Disney Princess Bracket finale episode was a little bit short, so... Happy to be talking at length about Frozen 2. And you guys know how much we love Frozen. We, I mean, Frozen's been dominating the brackets as of recently, so I think it's only fitting that after it winning Best Animated and Kristoff winning Best Prince that we just continue our Frozen discussion to end 2019. So, Chris, let's, let's just go ahead and hop right in. Um, let's talk first about our expectations. So what did you expect out of this movie before you sat in the movie theater seat? Well, I was a huge, huge fan of the first movie. I saw it in theaters based on a recommendation from a very good friend, and I was completely blown away. I hadn't seen Tangled. I hadn't seen Princess and the Frog. I hadn't seen a Disney movie in theaters in a while, so I was kind of blown away by the quality of the movie and the humor and the themes that it explored, the music, everything. I I was extremely surprised. I walked away from it wanting more. I think I ended up seeing it three or four times in theaters, was completely blown away. So I came into Frozen 2 not expecting to be completely blown away. I did not (laughs) expect Frozen 2 to capture that same kind of magic that the first movie captured. So I had kind of low expectations for it actually so with those low expectations I wasn't really expecting the music to be as good as the original at least I didn't expect it to affect me in the same way just because by this point we all know those songs from the original movie know all the lyrics to them I don't expect to hear something from Frozen 2 for the first time and be like I like this song more than a song that I have been listening to for five years now And from a story perspective, I was expecting it to kind of be a little bit clunky and a little bit lacking, just because after the first Frozen movie, there wasn't really a whole lot to work with. There wasn't really a whole lot of places the movie could go, so I expected the beginning of this movie to be devoted to, like, inventing these unknown story elements and and trying to push the narrative in that direction and and that is eventually what happened but we can talk about that a little bit later i did also have really high expectations for this movie just because of the quality of story and character in the first movie was so great it's coming from the same creative team jennifer lee and chris buck also the same songwriting team robert lopez and Kristen anderson lopez um and, you know the first movie was almost flawlessly executed so i was holding that creative team to those same standards mm-hmm and just from a personal standpoint, like the things that I really wanted to see, wasn't necessarily expecting, but wanted to see, was some really dark elements. The common wisdom is that the second movie is always the darkest movie in a trilogy. Not really sure if there's going to be a Frozen 3. We can talk about that a little bit later too. But I was really hoping for these characters to be tested in ways that we haven't seen them tested before. Wanted to see them being explored emotionally the classic example of a really great second movie is The Empire Strikes Back. We got Luke Skywalker, who was this super successful guy in the first movie, having this kind of an internal struggle while he's learning the Force and that kind of stuff. So um, I, I was hoping for some stuff like that in this movie, and we can talk about 
how Frozen 2 accomplished those things later, but I'll ask you the same question, Kyle. What were your expectations? So I had the complete uh, opposite journey to Frozen 2 that you did. I did not see it when it first came out. Um, I didn't see it until it was released on DVD and digital. Um, and even then, I didn't see it f until uh, maybe two years after um, it originally came out in theaters. All I had known about the first one uh, before seeing it was that the soundtrack was extremely popular among uh, among kids and that Let It Go was on the radio. But I I had seen Princess and the Frog and I had seen Tangled before that, uh, before Frozen. And, and I loved both of those movies. So it wasn't, I don't think it was anything that I, I didn't want to see. I just never got around to seeing it. And then... Uh, I do remember seeing some uh, marketing promotions for it, uh, and I think I talked about this on a previous episode. But they were talking, or they showed Sven and Olaf like having this really goofy interaction on ice, and uh, that was kind of the first teaser trailer for Frozen, and no one really knew what it was going to be about. And I completely just based my entire assumption off of what Frozen was was off of that teaser because I didn't explore it any further. Um, after seeing for the fr Frozen for the first time, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think that I was as into the soundtrack as everybody else was, but I was also a couple years removed from it um, being new and fresh. Um, I did think Let It Go was a very good song. All of the other stuff felt a little bit too cheesy for me. And so going into this one, I did follow the marketing plan a little bit more in depth than the first time around. So they were teasing a lot of uh, darker elements, a lot more adventurous uh, storylines within the promos and the and the trailers. So I was really expecting this kind of uh, very cool adventure movie as opposed to the kind of cute and charming first movie that that was. I expected the soundtrack to be reminiscent of the first one where it it was very uh character driven and very um kind of bubbly and poppy and they, i i was afraid that they were going to try and replicate the success of the first one um and get some radio plays out of their big ballads and out of um an olaf song and all that stuff so i kind of ex i expected them to follow that same formula much how mary poppins returns followed the same formula as the original mary poppins where this is this song and this is that song i i kind of expected frozen to do that and otherwise i tried to enter it with a very uh open mind other than that those two things which were one was just a judgment on soundtrack and the other was just what they gave gave me because i really wanted to experience it without any sort of uh, bias and I really wanted to try and either enjoy it or dislike it based on what they're giving me and not what others say about it so we went opening night and I really wanted to to get a fresh take before people start started talking about it so yeah so those were my expectations and and Chris so after seeing the movie you walk out of the theater uh, what were a couple of things that you felt like they just did extremely well something some things that they really set the bar on. Before I say anything, I'll go ahead and warn our listeners, it should be obvious that we are going to talk about Frozen 2 spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie, be mindful of that. We're not going to go over the entire plot of the movie. That's not what this conversation is about, but just be aware that we might reveal things that you might not want to hear if you haven't seen Frozen 2. Absolutely. So the first thing I was really happy with was the darkness of the movie and that was something like i said i really wanted going into it and i definitely got that both yeah. literally and figuratively it was mm -hmm. literally dark like there was a point in the movie where i really needed to take a bathroom break and i was like in the middle of the row so i was waiting for like a <laughs> sunny scene so that i could see the people's like legs because it was one of those theaters that has the recliner seats so everyone <laughs> was dropping like their coats and backpacks on the ground i was like i'm gonna trip over something right if i don't get like a sunshine scene or like a beach scene or something <laughs> and uh I, I didn't get one i had to go so uh, i was feeling my way through the darkness uh, to get to the restroom um so yes i got what i wanted in in that aspect it was really 
great to see Disney take that risk because even though I wanted them to do that, I was kind of unsure that they would take these characters that were known for being so light and popular to make them do something, you know, dark or make them feel sadness or pain in a way that we haven't seen before. I thought it would be kind of risky. And, and they did that. Um, you can see it in all of the Elsa stuff. Mm-hmm. Particularly the moment where she sends Anna and Olaf away on the ice canoe and sails them off down the river. And she she uh, keeps going north into the land that's called Atohalan, something like that. And so uh, there's that scene where she's trying to get over the waves that they show in all of the teasers uh, for the movie. I was wondering how where they were going to fit that in, and right. they did a great job. Um, it wasn't just, you know, an epic scene for the sake of being epic. It really had uh, a meaning, and she eventually gets over those waves, and she fights the water knock, and she tames the water knock, and she goes riding on a horse across the frozen ocean, and, and my, my jaw was, like, open while this was yeah. happening. It was uh, visually stunning and emotionally impactful because of the darkness of it yeah um so i was extremely extremely satisfied um with with all of that elsa stuff this was a great movie for elsa in the first movie she has this arc where she tries to escape everyone and get away from her problems and then she learns that she has to embrace her problems and ask for help to get through all of it Mm -hmm. and this movie was kind of about her you know, taking those powers and, and really using them for good and seeing what she can do with them. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, all in all, really impressed by the uh, emotional stakes. So that's my first thing, Kyle. What was your first thing? Yeah, I, I really do agree with all of that. I think that uh, Elsa's journey in this one and not just keeping her kind of same same plot points from the first movie and really expanding on her character in this one I thought that was also fantastic and just every and like you said the darkness was awesome and how that played into the animation and just them showing off their animation with the using the darkness was absolutely incredible I think uh more on a, a little bit quite, well not pun intended lighter side is I was very pleased with the fact that they like they kept the trolls out I'm I was not a big fan of of the trolls in the first movie and I I just felt like it the the first movie had such powerful like uh human elements to to their characters even Olaf like everything was just so uh real and relatable and human and then they brought the trolls in to explain why Kristoff is so like bizarre and and different when I just, I just felt <laughs> it was just too goofy for like the, what they were trying to do in that first movie, in my opinion. So the fact that um, the leader troll was only really featured at the beginning and that was it. They were like, no, <laughs> no more trolls. We're going to explore different realms of this universe. I was very pleased with that because I was worried that they were going to cheese ball it up and we're going to see another troll song and, and too many of, of the mythical kind of troll creatures. But we didn't. So... Uh, my that was a little surface level and and not quite as in depth, but that was a big. I was afraid that this movie was gonna um, have too many cheesy elements, and that was one of them. So uh, I'm glad that they didn't do it. So, what else did you think they did well? Well, this actually goes off of something you said when talking about expectations and how the first movie's soundtrack sounds very poppy and light. Um, that was something that really frustrated me about the first movie is that if you watch it, it seems like all of the songs are done in the first like 30, 45 minutes of the movie. And really the only song in the second half of the movie is the troll song, which is like, like you said, kind of a throwaway song, not terrible, but doesn't really serve the story very well. Right. We, and we also get a a reprise, I think of, uh, do you want to build a snowman or something Mm -hmm. like that? Um, so, I was really happy the way Frozen 2 balanced out their songs. Um, there was happy songs at the beginning, upbeat songs, uh, sad songs towards the end. Um, and I think it, it makes it feel really balanced. 
makes it feel a lot more like a musical songbook as opposed to just a Disney soundtrack. Yep. When you get a character legitimately singing about their feelings and singing about a situation they're going through, so much more powerful, so much more satisfying to listen to the song and you can really, you know, picture what's happening in their head or what's what they're going through on the screen when you hear it. I love those types of songs. Yeah. And so I, I was I was really happy they didn't go with the same formula. Also they played around with genre a little bit. So not every mm-hmm. single song sounded the same, incorporating new instruments, new melodies. And we can talk about that when we talk about the music um, a little bit deeper. But all in all, extremely happy with um, the balance in the songbook. So yeah. so what was another thing for you? Yeah, I agree. I uh, You bringing it up, it felt much more like a, a theater show. Um, within its soundtrack and I agree I think that they did a good job of telling the story through music that wasn't a cheesy overload in the beginning which is what the first Frozen felt a little bit to me and it was more of like here are songs that are really going to expose characters to you on a deeper level and it's also going to move the plot along very well so I agree that that's absolutely that was one of mine I say that the songs were different in this one but in an extremely great way in my opinion um I really thought they they so this kind of goes along with my first point about the trolls. They did a good job of kind of redeeming themselves of just kind of explaining Kristoff uh as this outcast that got lucky and fell in love with with a princess into like here's what Kristoff is all about. He's a bit of a hopeless romantic who's also extremely loyal and passionate and uh, he just wants to do what's right and and good for not only him but for Anna as well. And so I think that the way that the this plot line really focused a lot on Kristoff and allowed him to really develop his character further. Um, I'm glad that they did that instead of introducing a new character and forcing us to like learn the the story of a new character. I feel like that's something that. Uh, a lot of sequels, especially in Disney, they do too often is they try and introduce this new character that's going to um, sell merch and it's going to be just another another backstory for them to develop and instead of just focusing on the core that we know and love. And Frozen 2 didn't do that. They introduced, and this I'm going to hop into another one of mine um, along with this, but they, they introduced new characters without it being too distracting. Like, it wasn't like we needed the backstory and each new character needed a song and and whatever it was using the characters to further the story and further the um the timelines of the characters we already know and love and that includes Kristoff and so um i think that they did that incredibly well i was really excited to see that they took that angle because disney sequels can always be a little iffy right you have movies like cars 2 which are which is absolutely awful. And you have movies like Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is kind of middle of the road, but they never really hit the mark. And then you have Finding Dory, which is not that great. And so they never really get it. They never really can just hit it on the head or even close to it. And so one of the problems with that is them trying to dive into auxiliary characters too much instead of focusing on the mains and so they really focused on the mains in this one and I thought they did extremely well so that's that was one of mine as well I would make the argument that Toy Story 2 does a pretty good job as a sequel it explores Woody a little bit more and you see him kind of having to make that decision whether to go with Andy or go with the new characters (laughs) but um I would say that's a, that's a pretty serviceable sequel. I don't know if you can call it Disney because that was, I think, when Pixar was its own entity. Question mark. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that was Toy Story Two was honestly kind of like my template for how I thought this movie was gonna go. And I'm really glad you brought up Kristoff because if you all listen to the best Prince bracket, we recorded that bracket before we saw this movie, and so we crowned. Kristoff as the best Disney prince and I was like this dude is either going to make us look terrible (laughs) and this podcast had a shelf life of like two days (laughs) or it's already irrelevant (laughs) or he's gonna like affirm 
all of the faith that we have in him. And fortunately, this was a great movie for Kristoff, and it really, like you said, developed him, developed his relationship with Anna, makes their relationship feel two-way, two which is uh-huh. how it's supposed to be. Um, and yeah, they just really nailed Kristoff in this movie, and, and I was really happy about that because that is something they do really well in the in the Broadway adaptation. Um, mm. So, so I, yeah, I was very happy for Kristoff. So let's go ahead and go the other way and talk about some things that we did not love about this movie. Now, I kind of have a longish list. I don't <laughs> want to talk about all of them, but I'll let you start on the negative things, Kyle. Sure. So I'm going to, as I did last time, I'm going to start very surface level and then I'll, I'll build into more and more deeper concepts. But um, the first one is this uh, this lizard character. I thought like... Bruni. Bruni, man. Bruni boy. I, I, I feel like the... As much as I just complained about sequels diving too f- much into auxiliary characters and not focusing on the mains, I felt like these kind of uh, ethereal powers that were the elements, essentially, um, they were just represented in super bizarre ways, except for the wind. That was obvious. But, like, this this fire lizard was super... Just It was an interesting concept that just never quite built out. And then I was ready for them to blitz the market with this, like, with you're going to see this little lizard dolls everywhere and and it's going to be the next big thing. And it wasn't. And so I was just, I don't know, maybe that was just part of my expectations after seeing the trailer. I was like, here we go, a cute sidekick. And it turned out to just be one of the elements that didn't didn't do a whole lot other than just help Elsa get to um the that island or the sea that she needed to get to but um yeah i just i just wasn't into it i was not into that character and and how it was used um so i think that i don't know how they could have done it better i think they could have just kept it more uh of a a natural thing kind of like the wind character um instead of personifying this fire energy through this cute lizard it just there was a dissonance there for me that i didn't really enjoy so uh that that was probably the first thing that i i didn't think they did too well yeah i definitely agree with that i felt like they kind of bit off a little bit more than they could chew when they're trying to explore all these like elemental spirits and the way they position elsa is kind of this like chosen one center of the universe balancer of power thing i was like this is this is getting a little bit like too marvel (laughs) for me right now like yeah yeah yeah. like please like help me reel this back into like talking about the actual characters and relationships here so yeah that, that bruni character was kind of a good example of how you had this thing that it's like I I thought this was gonna be a big deal, but he's really not that big of a deal. But when he's on screen, it seems like he's a big deal. I yeah. would compare Bruni to Captain Phasma in the new Star Wars movies. Right, right. Where it's like this person really is completely unnecessary. Like, right. I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Um, yeah, I'd agree with the Bruni thing and um, that bathroom break I was talking about. I took that right before they introduced that character and so i came back and like everything was on fire and there was this lizard running around and i was like oh dang (laughs) what i miss and the reason i took that bathroom break at that time was because of something i did not like about this movie and that's the comedy most of the comedy in this movie was not working for me particularly the olaf stuff and all of the fan service stuff. I understand Olaf is a really funny character, and I think he is fine in the first Frozen movie. Don't hate him, but in Frozen 2, he feels really unnecessary to me. I have heard a lot of people 
saying that this is like a great movie for Olaf and he just seems like he's just kind of like there in in so many of these situations in the movie the timing of his humor is a lot like the timing of humor in Marvel movies where you'll have this serious conversation or this serious moment where they're trying to develop some history for example the Arendelle the Arendelle guards and the forest people are trying to like recount the history and then like cut the Olaf making a stupid joke, right? And it's like completely takes you out of the moment. I think there's even one of those jokes when Anna is like devastated crying in the cave and he makes like a, a turtle poop joke or something. And like, don't get me wrong, I love toilet humor. It might be my favorite type of humor, but <laughs> like there's a time and a place to make poop jokes and fart jokes and in moments of seriousness, they don't work very well. And I feel like that was how they attempted to give Olaf things to do and things to say, was just giving him those like really stupid, really stupid one-liners. Yeah. Um, I think uh, before you move on with your humor point, I, I agree to a certain extent because there were some points when... Uh, especially like Elsa's character, they tried to write some comedy for her and that wasn't quite working for me either. There was like when she's walking through that, that cave of memories and her singing, let it go happens. And she like shudders at the fact that she has to hear that song again, very fan servicey. And I was like, that's so unnecessary. Like, are you joking? That was like a, that was like coming out anthem for you. Like, what are you talking about? Um, exactly but i didn't quite have the visceral reaction that you did to a lot of olaf stuff i felt like um it was you're right a lot of it wasn't necessary but there was still a lot of it that i thought was super funny and it felt more like in this movie josh gad the voice of olaf was doing less reading of the script and more riffing and it felt more authentic some of like the jokes and the laughing felt more authentic to the Olaf character than in the first movie like the first movie felt like he was reading the lines and hitting the punch lines when he was supposed to as opposed to uh inserting not only his own personality but giving Olaf his own personality with the timing and and the way he's speaking and the way even he was like laughing the um part where he's calling out everybody's name and then calls out Samantha and starts laughing like that feels like a super genuine laugh and it was just a funny moment to me so I agree some of the time some of the times Olaf showed up with some jokes like you said with Anna super unnecessary did not need it in that moment it it added it made the theater laugh which made you miss the next thing that Anna said which I think is always unnecessary um, especially in in the darker, more serious moments. So I agree with that. But I also enjoyed um, a lot of Olaf's uh, Olaf's performance in this one. But continue on. I want to talk about the fan service thing. Yep. So I got up and I walked out of the theater when Olaf was doing his Frozen One recap. I counted like four or five different Frozen One jokes in the movie. Now fan service sometimes gets a bad rap. It's something that a lot of movies do these days because pretty much every movie is a remake, a sequel, or a reboot. So it's like low-hanging fruit, you know, for right. for a writer to put in a joke about the original movie, right? Yes, absolutely. And it can be done. It can be done in really good, tasteful ways, and it can also be done in really bad ways. A re- an example of a good moment of fan service is in Rogue One when there's a shot of a rebel base, and in the corner of the screen is the ship from the Star Wars Rebels animated series. Yeah. They don't mention it, but people who know what it is might be able to point it out. So someone who hasn't seen Rebels or they don't know what it is, they don't even know they missed something. Right. And there was a pretty solid good moment of fan service in Frozen 2 at the very beginning of the movie when Anna and Elsa are playing and Elsa's building a snow village she creates a snowman and some deer and it's actually Baymax and Bambi and it's only on screen for like a second and it's in the corner and if you're not paying attention you might not notice it but it was something I saw and I was like oh that's a cool thing they didn't acknowledge it it didn't felt like they were like shoving it in your face Um, it was just kind of there or like in Monsters Inc when uh, Boo has like a Jesse doll 
Yeah, and yeah. I, like, that's good down. fan service. Yep, absolutely. It's like an Easter egg. Um, but yeah, bad fan service in Frozen 2. They made at least two Hans jokes that I remember. Like you said, there was that awkward let it go moment. There was Olaf's awkward recap of the first Frozen movie. Frozen came out five years ago. Did not come out that long ago. We all remember it. We all saw it. You don't need to be making jokes and references to something that happened so recently. So uh, that kind of irked me a lot. And it reached a boiling point when Olaf was doing his thing, and then I walked out of the theater. So, <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and talk about another thing that you thought didn't work well? Yeah, I I thought that the um, the discovery of the the plot point where Anna and Elsa discover what they need to do uh, when they find the parents' wrecked ship, I felt like out of everything that could have happened in this realm, it was too like, oh, well, here's the ship. <laughs> you know, it was way too simple for a movie, for, for a franchise that is all based on, like, twists and solid plot points that were all established in the first movie. Um, it just felt too, like, well, and then Anna just knows, or El- maybe it was Elsa, that there's a waterproof uh, case in the boat. Like, everything yeah. just felt too too turnkey and that they just wanted to get them on their adventure when it could have come in a different way. I mean, you already had this, like, you threw a voice calling out to Elsa. You've already have this magical being happening. I don't necessarily know why we needed to have a ship planted in front of them and they just know what to do and, and that's going to move the, the plot along. I, I just felt like um, that was just kind of an eye roller for me. Um, and then along with that, and this is really just my last point uh, in the what I didn't think they did too well, was that the the twist and the reveal was just too predictable. I mean, like, it's already established in Frozen 1 that Elsa has these powers. Um, so to, to reveal at the end that she's this connecting force in nature, it just felt like that was hinted from even last movie like the they talk about bridges and they talk about um water having memory and it's like all these things that describe who elsa is as a character um and it's like obviously she's the fifth like element we need to get elsa to wherever she needs to go like she's not she doesn't need to look for the element she is the element and i think she's smart enough to know that she's the element you know so that that was just it felt too predictable now it was I loved it, and I loved how they did it, and they explained it, and the whole, the whole finishing the snowflake. It also, and I, and it was also super satisfying to me that when the first posters came out for this movie, they showed that like five pronged snowflake, and there were all of these people on social media who were trying to like mansplain their way as to why that's not a correct shape for a snowflake and everyone's trying to fight back like maybe it's not a snowflake like maybe these professional artists at the best animation company in the world know exactly what they're doing and it was so satisfying to be like thank goodness it wasn't a snowflake thank goodness it was just a symbol of um of nature really and that she completed that symbol and i just thought that was so cool um so despite the twist it had a very satisfying reveal um and yeah so those were just the the couple of things that i didn't really like uh on my end so the only other thing i want to talk about when it comes to negatives and then we can go back to talking about positives i swear we like this movie oh yeah we don't hate it um is the way that the story and the direction was established. It felt really clunky to me, really slow mm-hmm. off the ground. Took a, It seemed like it took a really long time to establish a solid direction. Where are characters going? Where is this story going? Why are we all in this theater right now? Why did this movie get made? What are we trying to figure out? And what are the stakes involved? It... it seemed like it took almost an hour to do that you know um it didn't really pick up for me until 
Elsa and Anna left the forest people and Kristoff saying mm-hmm. lost in the woods. Like that would, that would kind of be like the turning point in the movie when it went from really frustrating to me to being really great for me. Um, yeah. And so something I think they could have done better was keep cutting back to Arendelle because that was really the stakes in this movie. They got displaced by this big freak wind winter storm and they were on the cliffs and they didn't know if they were going to survive. And they did that at the beginning of the movie and then they never went back there again. And it would have been nice to be reminded whether Mm -hmm. it's cutting back or just mentioning it to remember why we're doing this. You know, why did we leave Arendelle? Why is it important that we find this voice, where it's coming from, stuff like that? Because Anna and Elsa have a really strong relationship with the people of Arendelle, and that's something that's really unique to them as Disney royalty. It's very much a two-way street where the people of the kingdom love them, and they love the people of the kingdom. So I really would have liked to see more interaction between them and you know, them being worried about the people of Arendelle as opposed to just like, let's try and solve a mystery for like no real reason other than to solve it. Um, So I kind of had to like remember that stuff on my own to to kind of like bring me back around to be like, okay, okay, that's right. That's right. This is, this is why we're here. Okay. Um, So I, I would have liked if they did that. Also, like you said, I think there's probably a few excess characters. Glad they cut the trolls. I think they could have cut some others. But um, let's go back to talking about some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously we talked about how this soundtrack is different from the first. Um, and a lot of it was done extremely well. Uh, but of the of the songs on the soundtrack, what was your favorite and, and why did you choose it? My favorite was one that I haven't seen a lot of people giving a whole lot of props to. Maybe I'm just not on Twitter enough or not in the right replies sections, but my favorite song was The Next Right Thing. Hmm. And if you've been listening to everything I've saying, if you've been listening to everything positive that I've been saying about this movie, this song kind of encapsulates all of that perfectly. It is a very unique song to the entire Frozen songbook. It happens at a very low point in the movie for our main character, Anna. And it lets Kristen Bell kind of flex her vocal cords a little bit. Yeah. In a way that's not just purely like poppy sing-songy, like, um, some things never change. Like that's just kind of like a, a nice, easy princess song. But Next Right Thing has a little bit of depth to it, both vocally and textually. Every time I hear it, I get chills because I think of her, you know, crying in that cave. She's in the corner of the screen. Everything's really dark. It was just like a moment where I really related to that character. It's a philosophy that I really relate to whenever I'm overwhelmed by something or I'm worrying about something that's a little bit too far in the future. I always try to remind myself, just put one foot in front of the other, do one thing at a time, worry about what you have to do today, what you have to do tomorrow. Don't worry about what you have to do three months from now, a year from now. Don't worry about your job security in 10 years. Just worry about what you can control today. And so this song totally plays on that idea and I just I just really related to it and uh, I I thought it was all around just just a great song and um, like I said embodied everything that I like about this movie so Kyle what was your favorite song well I think uh, that after seeing the movie the first thing we did was get the soundtrack because I didn't listen to the soundtrack at all before seeing the movie because like I said I wanted to go in completely blank just let's let's uh see what they got um we'd be remiss if i if i didn't say lost in the woods is my favorite song uh this is christoph's kind of exposure song of of his vulnerability and it it's just such they did it in such a way that was so creative and uh unpredictable i don't think anyone saw how they were gonna do it coming and they did it in a way that was it it showed what a hopeless romantic Kristoff was and then exaggerated it by making it this kind of 80s power ballad. And 
and it was a lot of references to um, bands such as Queen and Aerosmith that the older generations really loved and really got a kick out of while also like moving the plot forward. It wasn't just kind of this corny song that they threw in there to get some laughs before things got super serious. It was like, this is truly what Kristoff is feeling inside. And I think that not if like get past the laughs and you get past uh, seeing it for the first time and you listen back, like it's everyone's been there before. I think that anyone that's ever had a, a been in love or had a huge crush on somebody or just felt like that maybe the the relationship was uh, not balanced and you felt like you were giving too much, like that this is that song and like it just I just thought it was so well done and it was entertaining and and funny and just different than what Frozen had been in the past like. And that's something that goes back to what I was. I thought that they did well was the soundtrack was so different from the past, and this is a big part of it. Like they, it, they didn't need to make anything super bubbly and and poppy and um, kind of what we will call quintessential Frozen, which is just soundtrack of the first movie. They could get deep and dark, like in the Anna song, and they can get fun and and lighthearted in this power love ballad without losing the integrity of the soundtrack and so i thought it was extremely well done i love this song uh it's probably been my most listened to song uh since the movies come out i think it's really i think it's great and i'll also and i can you can give your thoughts on this song too i really enjoyed and you kind of already brought this up how um, poppy it is, but I really enjoyed Some Things Never Changed, and I really enjoyed that that's what led off the movie. Because it kind of... it It's a very quintessential Disney song, and I'm very big kind of Disney music fan, and, and I love to explore the themes and, and the different song structures of what makes a Disney song sound like a Disney song. And this one sounds like a Disney song. And they hit you with it. They say, here's your poppy uh, Disney song that you're going to get and that you want and then we're going to move on from this and we're not going to do it again until you get to Olaf but we're not even going to talk about Olaf's song because it's (laughs) absolute garbage but like I thought this one was extremely well done it's very catchy Um, I remember just smiling through the entire thing and so honorable mention for me uh, past into the woods is or lost in the woods is some things never change I would agree I would say some things never change is the most underrated song on this album Mm -hmm. at least according to twitter people didn't really like this song very much um but the thing i liked most about it was the lyric some things never change is directly juxtaposed with the movie taking place in the fall yes all of the leaves are literally changing. Yes. So it's at the beginning of the movie and she's singing some things never change and you just you know it's gonna change yep Things are going to change. Um, So I really liked that kind of irony that you got hit with right at the beginning of the movie. Uh, As far as songs that are rated appropriately, the Olaf song, not very good. And a lot of people calling Show Yourself the best song on the album, which I think is a a fair take. I think just like Anna's song, that song from Elsa is another one where you're kind of exploring the emotional depths of her mind. And I also like that one as well. A little bit less musically sing-alongable, but yep. strong song, strong moment in the movie. Okay, yep. Kyle, right. we've talked ad nauseum about this movie. Let's give it a score from an F to an A+. What are you giving Frozen 2? <clears throat> I'm giving it a solid A minus. I think that the story you can go a couple of ways with a sequel. You can just kind of add another movie to the existing franchise and just try and sell more tickets based upon the success of the first one, a la a cars sort of situation, uh, a la a finding Nemo kind of situation. Or you can thoughtfully put together a story that not only expands the cinematic universe that the movie takes place in, 
but also develop the characters in a way that just builds upon what they established in the first. And I think that this one did a super good job of that. Um, like, like I've said before, really enjoyed the soundtrack, and that's a big part of movies for me is if especially if it's going to be a musical like these songs need to be pretty solid and even just the score itself was very good um a lot of callbacks and references in the melodies and the themes from the first movie especially when they're making references to the first movie that was very well done i thought um i think that despite kind of a few unnecessary characters as i brought up they didn't focus too much on the auxiliary characters um, they really developed Kristoff further. They really showed the vulnerability of Anna. She was vulnerable to begin with, obviously, in the first movie, falling in love easily, um, being easily insulted and hurt in the first movie. And it just shows that uh, no matter how much stronger you get, you're allowed to be vulnerable and you're allowed to have these moments, but you can still use that to your advantage and and accept it as a part of you. And Anna does that. And I think that's super important. And you see Elsa find her place within Arendelle in the first movie and then find herself within the greater world in this movie. And so I think that they did it all extremely well. The, the What brings it down to the A- minus is kind of these unnecessary characters that just weren't great and didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, some of the songs didn't do a whole lot for me. A lot of the comedy felt unnecessary um and so that brought my score down a little bit but otherwise i thought it was a very well done sequel with a very well done uh score soundtrack and plot and so i give it an a minus yeah i don't think i'm going that high i think i'm giving frozen to a solid b only saw it one time. I would like to see it at least one more time before it leaves theaters. I won't say I'm disappointed in this movie. I think I got everything that I wanted to get out of this movie, but those issues I had with it were kind of distracting in a lot of ways. Um, I couldn't overlook them on first viewing. So I didn't leave the theater incredibly overwhelmed with satisfaction but i was like okay like it's good there there was a lot of really good stuff in there i could see myself liking it more on a second or third viewing just because i will expect some of those comedy beats so they won't be as like jarring mm -hmm. and um you know i've worked out kind of some of those issues with the story in my head already so it makes a little bit more sense to me now so i think if i watched it a couple more times i will like it more i'm giving it a b for now Trending upwards, potential to get up to an A, but I'm, I'm sitting at a B right now. So we got an A- minus and a B from Kyle and Chris. Highly recommend this movie. If you haven't seen it already, go to the theaters, go watch it. So Kyle, let's talk briefly about what's next for Frozen. Where do you see this whole thing going? I'm hoping that the movies end here. I don't, I don't know that I want anything more theatrically out of this. Um... I think that I would like to see the presence in the parks be a little bit ro more robust than maybe a corner meet and greet at DCA um, or the single ride over at Disney World. Well, um, you're in luck. <laughs> yeah, so I think I would like to see it, but especially in the in the California parks, I'd like to see the presence be a little bit more permanent and but not distracting. I think that's the important part is that people attach too much of this like oh frozen eye roll blah like oh i've heard the songs too many times like it doesn't have to be this huge distracting behemoth of a property inserted into the parks i think it could be very easily done in a in a great job um without having to make an entire end of the park arendelle like it can have a ride that fits into Fantasyland. it can have a ride that fits into um the Matterhorn area of Tomorrowland Fantasyland. So I don't know. I hope that they do more with it than just a meet and greet and they don't do too much to um, make people super annoyed and whiny about it. Although whatever they do, people are going to whine. So I hope that the movies stop, but the maybe the shorts continue and some more presence in the parks. 
Yeah, I cannot stand people who hate Frozen just for the sake of hating Frozen. They, like, hate it just because it's new and just because it's popular. Like, it's good. Yeah. It's good property. Very good IP. Um, doesn't need its own park, but I think it's, yeah, no. it, it, it's, it's great. I love Frozen. Um, <laughs> I, unfortunately think there will be more movies i i don't think we need any more i don't need any more there's really not anything that needs to be resolved with this story but knowing disney right. there will be more frozen so um you know toy story we thought we were good after toy story 2 but there's a toy story 3 <laughs> that was that was a really good movie toy story 4 not so much but you know they, they keep coming at us with these things Disney has a really good Tangled series on uh, mm-hmm. Disney Channel, and I think there are a few episodes on YouTube. It's on Disney+. Plus. I could see them doing something similar with Frozen, doing some kind of Frozen animated series, whether it's 2D animation or um, computer-generated. As far as predictions for a Frozen 3, maybe they go to some kind of like summer island some kind of sunny place that's not so icy. They encounter yeah. some new people, put in some new type of environment so that they don't feel like they're having to just like squeeze everything they can out of the environment they got. Mm-hmm. Makes it a little bit less enjoyable to watch our main characters, but we'll at least get to see them do some cool stuff. I feel like we've got to know these characters well enough that I wouldn't be mad if they made like a finale movie where the character depth is a little bit more shallow and the plot is a little bit more like epic, you know, Right. which I think this movie did a good job establishing Elsa as kind of an action hero. I don't hate that. I don't hate it. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm willing to see more of it and, and I think I'm going to. But, yeah, I mean, that's all we have to say about Frozen, everyone. I mean, if you have any responses, um, if you have a review of your own, Tess already sent us uh, a great Frozen 2 review on email. You can always email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at mousemadnesspod. We recently set up a Discord server. If anyone's into Discord, you can chat with us all day, every day on Discord. We'll link the server in the description of this episode so you guys can go on there we'll probably tweet it out later too um yeah we'd love to hear from you anything before we sign off kyle i don't think so but you can always contact us on twitter as well at mouse madness pod you can email us at mouse madness podcast at gmail.com hit us up on discord new new place that we're at we love to talk to you guys we love to talk all things disney hit us with your thoughts on frozen 2 or really just anything um, we'll be back very soon with another episode, wrap up this decade, uh, and we're really excited about it. So until then, we'll just have to see you next time. True, baby, baby, you